together. Great news, I can share with you, Lisa still likes me, and uh, so it's good to know that. She just wanted to hug me all the time and stuff. It was, it was great, all right, so we had a good time, and uh, then I wanted to add, I know the announcement's been made already, but next Sunday, we're having one of my best friends in all the world, Robert Bax, with us, and uh, he's an outstanding teacher and preacher, and of course, he'll be with us for the couple's weekend, but next Sunday, you won't want to miss what it is that uh, he'll be sharing with us. We're going to have the choir singing next week. We're calling it Family Day. We've got something going on for the children as well, and uh, we want to bless you, the marriages in this church, the families in this church, and so we've gone to great lengths to see that next Sunday's just a fantastic time. So I hope you'll be here. Bring a guest with you. It'll be the kind of day that your friends will be glad that they came and uh, they will be helped. I've been told there's a football game on tonight. Did any of you hear that? And, uh, and yet we're having our annual church meeting tonight. We didn't plan it. You know, the, the Super Bowl's moved back a couple weeks since uh, we had uh, our church meeting. It's always been the first Sunday night of February, but uh, we're going to be having that as well this evening. And, and uh, if you wanted to get some of the information we'll be talking about, I'm thinking uh, particularly for our church family, our, our church budget and so forth, as you leave today in the overflow room, uh, we'll have some of those. You can have any questions you have answered there uh, as well. But I'm looking forward to this evening. If you have your Bibles this morning, join me in turning to the New Testament Gospel of, of uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 7. Somebody asked me as I walked in, they said, uh, you got a good one today? And I said, I've got a good one. And I can say that because it's coming right out of the Bible. Matthew 7 is where we're going to be in our study. And, and uh, I remember I had one of those uh, quasi-mandatory meetings I had to go to. Uh, at the girls' school when they were coming along. And, and I remember I went to the meeting, and, and uh, believe it or not, you've all heard me say this, the truth is I'm, I'm uh, more of a shy kind of person. When I get in a crowd like that, I typically try and find a corner and just get over in the corner and, and uh, mind my own business. And so I went into this meeting that uh, I had to attend, and I thought, I just want to go find a corner, mind my own business, and as soon as this thing's done, I want to be out of here. And I made my way to the corner, and uh, lo and behold, there was another father who was uh, right in the same spot I was heading towards and I could tell he had the same idea that I had I love my kids I know I need to be involved and I probably would rather be someplace else but if I'm going to be here I'm going to go stand in the corner mind my own business and leave as soon as I can possibly leave and and uh, so as we were standing there we started commiserating one with another and we began to talk and I realized that uh, this man had daughters that uh, I knew because they were friends with my daughters and and we actually had a great talk that night and he began to ask me what do you do and I said well I, I'm a pastor of a church. He was very interested in that. And I said, what do you do? He said, I'm an executive coach. And I said, well, tell me about that. He said, well, there are a lot of executives in, in San Diego and Orange County that uh, welcome into their lives just kind of a mentor, a coach, someone who can come along beside them and help them to make sure they're doing the very best they can with the time they have. And, and so I like to help people in that way. Well, I was very interested in that. Uh, I, I have a massive awareness of the need to grow in all areas of my life. When I'm in the presence of someone whose stated goal is he wants to help other people grow, I wanted to learn all I could. So I began to ask questions, and he shared things with me. And we had such a great talk, we decided we were going to get together later and, and uh, have coffee. So we met up a few days later, had coffee, and, and the talk continued. And as we talked that day, he said to me, he said, Steve, I love what you're doing with your life. I love what you're doing with your life. And, and he said, if you would like, I would be happy over the next year to kind of offer to you what I offer to other business executives. He said, I, I know it's different what you do, but he said, I, I'd be more than happy to work with you for the next year and, and give you some coaching. And uh, man, I jumped all over that. I said, that would be awesome. I would really appreciate that. And so for the next year, we would talk weekly and then we'd get together monthly for a little bit longer period of time. And in all the conversations we had over the span of that next year, there were some things he mentioned every time 
we talk. Now, there were nuances and subtleties that he'd bring up along the way, but there was something that he included in every conversation that we had. His, his big foundation was built on a premise of understanding the difference between assessments and assertions. He would remind me as a leader, it's so important that we have the ability to make assessments where we'll take note of those areas that need improvement. But he talked about the fact that assertions are very different. You see, an assessment is an awareness that there's a mind that's open that sees the ability, the opportunity for something to grow and to be improved. But an assertion many times is just a judgment you've handed down that comes more from a closed mind. Those words, he was teaching me the difference between having judgment or developing a judgmental attitude. And there's a huge difference between the two. All of you in your lives have had people who had the gift of judgment. And they helped you. They encouraged you. But we've also been in the presence of people that rather than having judgment, they were had by a spirit of judgmentalism. And none of you were helped by people like that who just pointed out things they thought were wrong for the for the simple fact of, of letting you know that. You see, one in that case wants what's best for you, and the other is looking for what is the worst in you. And so we're in this study we've called First, and we talked about putting God first in our lives, and we continued. We talked about honoring the Lord on the first day of the week, and we talked about honoring the Lord in the first fruits, and we've talked about the first love. And today we're kind of turning the corner into a couple weeks where we're going to deal more with relationships, and we have another passage where the Bible speaks of a first, a first. And uh, I am today very excited to teach the Bible. This is my favorite part of what I get to do, is to study the Word and to teach the Word. That's my favorite part of what I get to do. And I often evaluate a message when I'm done preparing it by asking the question of my message, so what? And if I don't know the answer to so what about that message, I need to go back to the drawing board. But there are times where I'll bring a message and I'm enthused because I've questioned my message and I know what I'm bringing. It's true from the Word of God. And if applied to your lives, it will help you. But every now and then there's a message that transcends even that. It's a message that can help each of us as individuals. But it's a message that helps us know how to help other people. Uh, this is that exponential message that is for us, but it's then to be, to be through us. And I want us to look to this passage in Matthew chapter 7 today, and, and uh, we're going to read through it. In fact, if you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we read the Word of God. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse 1. If your Bible's like mine, these words are read, just indicating not that these words are more inspired than any of the others. All of the Bible's the Word of God, but these words were spoken by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mode of thine eye, out of thine eye, and behold a beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, 
Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. When Jesus said this is the law and the prophets, He was referring really to the entire collection of Scripture they had at that time, beginning with the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, all the way through the, the prophetic writings, the law and the prophets. He, he, in other words, was saying, listen, all of the truths contained in the Bible is, is wrapped up in, in this. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. I want you, if you would, to draw your attention back to verse 5. Verse 5. And I want you to notice there near the beginning the expression, first, cast out the beam. First, cast out the beam. Our Father, we are so thankful to be in this place today with these people, Lord. I pray that as we go through your word that Literally today, marriages would be helped, parents would be encouraged, friendships would be strengthened. God, we pray that a massive difference would take place not only in us today, but then eventually through us. Be honored in this all we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. It's the longest recorded sermon that he ever gave, and it contains some of the most repeated words that he ever said. This portion of God's Word where we're reading is found in a message we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, and it's in this message that Jesus gave us those words. He said, judge not. Judge not. Those words are known by many people today. In fact, many people that wouldn't even believe in, in Bible, uh, the Bible, they wouldn't consider themselves Christians. They're familiar with those words, judge not. Years ago, I served in a homeless ministry at my home church, and it was always amazing to me if you try and help someone who's, whose life was really in shambles and they were going through so much, and if you try to encourage them, oftentimes they would quote those words, hey, judge not. They, they didn't want someone to point out that there may be something in their life that is not right. Judge not. These are famous words that Jesus gave, but I think there's a sense in which they're infamous, and I say that because I believe they are among the very most misunderstood words that Jesus Christ, God the Son, ever gave. We want to say, judge not, and leave it there, forgetting that those words are found within a context, a frame, that helps us to know exactly what Jesus meant. Did Jesus mean that we are mean and hateful people if we ever draw a conclusion? Did He mean that if we draw truth from the Bible that would categorize things to right and wrong that we are some, somehow unkind? Did He mean that we're to check our minds at the door and never to think through anything? Of course that's not what Jesus meant. The matter of the fact today is that we have also been commanded by Jesus Christ to judge. 
In fact, in John chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus said, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgments. Jesus was teaching there's a difference between having sound judgment and being had by that judgmental spirit that seeks to condemn others. And there was a group in the time in which Jesus was speaking who Jesus had judged to be judgmental. And they were the religious crowd. Isn't that kind of how it is today? Many times the so-called religious people have been accused by our world of being judgmental. And that is the case because oftentimes we are. And Jesus here was speaking to an attitude that was possessed by a group of religious leaders that we find in the Bible called as the Pharisees. And, And we know that these were people that enjoyed slamming the sins of others while they enjoyed their own sins. And Jesus despised that type of an attitude. So to help those who were listening to him be the best followers they could be, he addressed this really important topic directly. Now Jesus used humor to make a point. Jesus often did that. And we know that Jesus painted word pictures, if you would, to help us get a good idea of what he was saying. But I believe we'll see today when we get through this study that Jesus was crystal clear on what he meant when he was done saying what we're going to study today. I don't believe people stood around and said, what do you think he meant by that? I think everybody knew what Jesus meant because he could, not have been more clear and so as he unpacked the truth and the verses surrounding this idea of judge not we really understand how it is that we are to judge and if you have your notes nearby i want you to follow this with me i'll share several principles and they'll need explanation of course but the first element jesus shared is this look in the mirror before you look at the moat Look in the mirror before you look at the moat. Now, let's listen again to these opening words. It's imperative we understand and listen to what Jesus said here. He said, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And so we're going to be judged as we judge and in proportion to our judgment. And and then Jesus asked this question. He said, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? I, I really believe that the misunderstanding of these words that I mentioned ago, it begins with the very first word that Jesus gave. And he begins in this passage by using the word judge. Judge. There are other words that were used in Greek that could have accurately been translated into the English language as judge. But the specific word that Jesus used here was to render a verdict. It was a final conclusion. It was was a matter that had been completed and it had been analyzed and a decision had been handed down. And I want you to know that is the kind of judgment that only God can give. You see, we're all a work in progress. And if someone were to look at my life in the midst of, of a life that's in the process of coming together, they couldn't possibly render a judgment like that. I'm still coming along. How many of you have had a time in your life where another human being probably could have looked at you and in that moment they could have said, that person is an absolute mess? How many of you are like that? And how many of you grew out of that and you're glad you did, okay? Okay. And if that judgment would have come at that moment in your life when you're still just a a work that God is putting together, they would have been wrong because only God can render the final conclusion of a matter in that way. Jesus teaches us here that we can't properly see into someone's life or into a situation until we spend some time then looking at our own lives in the mirror, if you would. I was out to lunch with my brother Paul several weeks ago and we were actually uh, visiting my folks and 
And uh, we were getting lunch, and we went to a Korean restaurant. And I don't know if you like Korean food, but you, you better get to like it. I think that's what we'll be eating in heaven, okay? It's just about my favorite kind of food there is. And, and if you've ever had Korean food, you know there's only one way to eat it, and it's just full speed ahead. I mean, just uh, putting it in as fast as you can, and, and uh, we were eating it. And uh, Korean food, it's got a lot of little seeds and little colors, and then there's the kimchi with the red stuff. And, and uh, if you're not careful eating Korean food, man, it'll just about get in, in between every tooth you have. And I remember looking at my brother, and there were some other people at the table, and, and I said, you've got something in your teeth. And uh, he, he didn't like hearing that from me in that moment. He, he said, you've got something in all of your teeth. That's what he said to me. And uh, I took out my cell phone and took a selfie just of my teeth, and I zoomed in, and it was like I had shrubbery growing out of my teeth. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. But it, here I was. I wanted to deal with the one little speck I saw in him, but he did not want to receive that because he's like, hey, wait a minute. Who are you to judge me in that area? You're a mess in that area yourself. People don't like judgment when it comes from someone who has their own glaring issues. And when we judge without looking in the mirror first, what we're going to find, Jesus says, is judgment coming right back at us. Now, I want you to know that the goal of judgment is restoration. It's not retribution. And we are never at our best when it comes to helping others if we are not taking the time to see how we're doing in our own lives. 1 Peter 4, Peter wrote this. He said, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Friends, listen, this is a very personal message. But I want to say today, even as a church, how can we possibly be the witness to this world that Jesus has called us to be if we're not living the lives that he has called us to live? The word picture here is great. Jesus said, why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Look the word beam up there, and I was interested to see just exactly what it meant. And it was defined as a structural support used in construction. You get the idea. Then I looked the word mote up, and it means a splinter or a speck. And Jesus was, was saying, how is it that you're looking at the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a two-by-four coming out of your own? You might want to check yourself before you get involved in, in someone else's life. You've got to look in the mirror before we can look at the moat. And you know, there is a mirror that God has given us that will reveal us to us every time. In James 1, the Bible says this in verse 23, If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And the Bible goes on to explain to us that the glass, the looking glass there, is the Bible. As we get in the word of God, God will help us to see those needs in our lives. And he then will help us to work on our own lives. The, the Bible is that mirror that shows us the need and then the provision found in the remedy of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus here was saying, listen, you need to look in the mirror before you look at the moat. Here's the second principle today. Lead with compassion instead of condemnation. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Lead with compassion instead of condemnation. Now let's make our way down into verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Now listen to this. And then, and then, after that, here's what I want you to do. Then shalt thou see clearly to 
cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Friends, you have to understand this if you're going to get this passage. There is something implied in these verses that Jesus gave, and it's the reality that we have an obligation to help others. He says there's a right and a wrong way to go about this, but you have an obligation to give your life to help others. First, get the beam out of your own eye, then seek to help others. You see, judgmental people invariably seek to lift themselves up or to justify their own sinful actions by just putting other people down. But those that have a godly, righteous judgment, as Jesus would call it, they sincerely want what is best for those they love. It's possible to do the wrong thing with a heart that is right. And I think we've all been there in life. We just didn't know any better. It's also possible to do things that would be classified as good things while there's maybe something going on on the inside that's not right. So if you have the right heart, it's possible to do the wrong thing. And there have been times in my life where I had a heart that was a mess, but I was doing something that someone would have looked at and said, well, that's a good thing he's doing. But in either case, no one could accurately see my heart and I can't accurately see your heart. I don't want to make an assertion about a heart. But I can make assessments about behavior. And in it all, motive matters. Why would I care if someone has a moat, as the Bible says, in their eye? I've got to lead with compassion instead of condemnation. It's interesting to me that Jesus chose to use the eye as the example here. I know Jesus doesn't waste a word, so I thought, I'm going to Google and learn all I can about the eye. And I learned all kinds of things about the eye, and all of them were to prove something we already know. The eye is incredibly sensitive. I can tell you about the photons and the measurement of light, and the very smallest measurement of light is able to be perceived by the eye, how how sensitive it is. But, But I think Jesus picked an obvious analogy. We all know how sensitive the eye is. That's why Jesus said, Then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. We need to have the ability to look at something that's in someone else's life that's bringing pain in a sensitive area and have compassion for them. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians 4. He said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And of course, I could read on, but I love the thought that Paul shared there of truth in love. You see, when Jesus came to us, the Bible told us Jesus was grace and truth. If he were only truth, man, it would have been so cold and hard. There's no way we could have entered into it. But he came bringing grace that allowed it to work together. And the Bible says that we are to bring truth, but we're to do so in love. And if you lead with condemnation, you will make an enemy and harm the testimony of Jesus. But if your compassion leads the way, you have then gained the opportunity to help someone in need. We need to look in the mirror before you look at the moat. Secondly, we need to lead with compassion instead of condemnation. Here's the third principle we find in this passage. Learn to listen before you leap. Learn to listen before you leap. Now, as we read through this passage, it kind of took a turn in verse 6. It began to sound a little bit different. Jesus said this. He said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine or pigs, 
lest they trample them under their feet. And then what do they do? They turn again and rend you. He said, hey, I'll tell you what those, those pigs will do. Uh, they'll trample those pearls if you were to throw them before them. They'll trample them under their feet, and then they're going to come after you. They're going to they're try and hurt you. Now, what was Jesus talking about here? Well, this was an analogy his, his readers would have laughed at. This was uh, really a ridiculous thing made to get an emotional response. And, and he said, listen, any good priest understands that meat that comes by way of a sacrifice a priest is not going to then throw that out to dogs. It's a holy thing. That, that would never happen. So you have something that's good. You wouldn't throw it out like that. And he said, nobody would take something as valuable as a pearl and throw it before swine. But there are times when we try to force feed people our thoughts when they're not interested. And it's not helpful. In fact, there are even times when sharing the gospel message, which we have been called to do and we must do, but there are times where we can even take a combative approach. And as sincere as we may be in that, we can come at it in such a way where people feel as though we're, we're condemning them and it can be less than helpful. In fact, Jesus even told those who were to be his witnesses in Matthew 10. He said, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that city or house, shake off the dust off of your feet. What was he saying? He said, listen, there comes a time where what you need to do is move on. In our relationships with people of faith, we're going to have times when we want to address a need in someone's life. And that's not the issue they need to address at that moment. It just won't be received. How many of you have ever received jury duty? Yes, God bless you, I see those hands. If you're like me, you didn't rejoice when you saw that in the mail. Oh man, jury duty, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to lose a day of my life. I'm going to go sit in a room with a bunch of irritated people and wait for my name to hopefully not be called. And, and uh, if this works out as it could, maybe I'll get to uh, sit, sit in, in chairs and, and I get to look into someone's life and render judgment upon them. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. I've received jury duty. Listen, let me bring you great news today. You are not required to place yourself on the jury when it comes to everyone's problems. Because every problem you see is not your problem to solve. Every problem you see is not your problem to solve. Not everyone is open to your observation about his or her life. And listen, you will never know how to help or to bless or to encourage or sometimes to just leave someone alone if you don't take the time to listen before you leap into the middle of it. Get to know them. You see, we don't earn the privilege of being heard until we've made the investment of listening and learning. Solomon in Proverbs 18 said it this way. He said, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. We've got to learn to listen before we leap. That leads us to the final thought this morning. We need to let the golden rule reign. Let the golden rule reign. Now, verses 1 through 5, I think there were lessons in there. We had to get nailed down. We got into verse 6, and Jesus said something strange, but we kind of understood the context and, and why he said that. And then we get into verse 7, and, and it, it almost seems like he, he kind of changes the topic a bit. Let's look and read these verses together. In verse 7, it says this, Ask, and it shall be given you. Now, I'm going to read on, but I think you'd all understand this is dealing with the topic of prayer. In fact, the word prayer, by definition, means to ask. And so Jesus says here, seeming to deviate from his topic at hand, he says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, 
receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, he will give him a stone? I think there would have been a chuckle when Jesus said that. He's making a point. He said, he said how would that work if your son came to you and said, Dad, can I, can I have some bread? Would you give him a rock instead? A stone? Or if, if he asked a fish, will he give him a serpent and say, you want fish here? Why don't you take this, this serpent or this snake? And Jesus said, listen, if you then being evil or less than a holy God know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? Have you ever been talking with someone and they're telling you a story and then all of a sudden they just jump from here to there and you're kind of left like, wait a minute, what are we talking about again? Okay, my wife's an expert at that. She'll be telling you a story about one thing and all of a sudden it's like, remember eight years ago? I'm like, hold on, we're over here somewhere. And, and I kind of felt like that as I read through here. I thought, well, our, our message should probably end at verse 6 because Jesus clearly changes topics altogether in verse 7. He starts talking about prayer. But as I began to really look in this, I began to understand that Jesus was saying that he can help us in our relationships with others. He shares with us that prayer brings God's provision in this matter. God will give us what we need to deal with others if we'll ask him in prayer. If your relationships need help, I want you to know there's nothing better you can do than talk to God about it. Sure, there's not a wife or a husband or a brother or a sister or a friend or a co-worker in this room. I'm sure there's not one of us today who, who can't think of some people in our lives that we care about who have some needs and we're just not always quite sure how to go about being the blessing that we feel God would have us to be. And, and Jesus said, listen, while we're talking on these things, I want to talk to you about prayer and I'm not changing the subject. I'm introducing you to the resource that will enable you to be that person that God would have you to be. You see, God knows how we work. And God knows what we need. And God's wisdom is at our disposal and it's accessed by way of prayer. James in in James 1 said it this way. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm I'm talking about prayer because this is relevant to relationships and how it works in this way. And then he leads us into the final verse we'll study today. And it's a verse that's often been referred to as the golden rule. And in verse 12, Jesus said this. He said, therefore, and I love that word therefore. You've heard me say it a million times. When you see a therefore in the Bible, see what it's there for. Jesus, in other words, said, all right, I just gave you 11 verses of stuff. Therefore, on the basis of what has just come in these verses before, on the basis of that all, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus was saying, listen, now that I've told you what to do and how to get the power to do it through prayer, let me boil it down to you in one statement. He says it this way, do to others as you'd have them do to you. Friends, this is how we defeat a judgmental spirit. This is how we defeat it. Paul put it this way in Romans 13. He said, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. He said, the law calls for love and love would never hurt anyone. It worketh no ill to his neighbor. Maybe that in love you need to help someone heading in the wrong direction. But friends, you never do it to put them down or to prop yourself up. 
The Bible teaches us we're to use wisdom and humility and discretion and kindness. Now, as we insert ourselves into this passage of Scripture and make ourselves among the listeners as Jesus is giving this sermon, I want you to imagine at that time that there's a massive blind spot in your life. Something you can't see. There's the proverbial speck or splinter or, or moat in your eye. There's, there's something you're missing. Wouldn't you want someone to love you enough to pull you aside and say, listen, man, I care about you. I noticed there's this area in life it seems as though you're missing, and I, I just wanted to put this out there for you. I wanted, wouldn't you want to be helped if there were a massive blind spot in your life? But wouldn't you also prefer that they didn't come to you with a two-by-four in their own eye? With a bad attitude? Trying to address a matter in your life that they don't even understand? They haven't even listened to the point of understanding? Wouldn't you rather they didn't come in a way that they sought to make you look bad and to make them look superior? Well, Jesus says this, treat others with needs as you would like to be treated if the roles were reversed. If you had that blind spot, how would you want someone to come to you? And Jesus says, now I want you to think through that, and that's exactly how I want you to go to others. Not, not with a judgmental spirit to condemn them. Certainly you're to have judgment, but spend some time looking in the mirror before you look in the mode and make sure that you have compassion in your heart and make sure that you're really understanding the situation. You're not coming to a snap judgment, but you're, you're seeking to learn. And then he said, just, just let the golden rule reign in your life. Let it bring you to the place where you'll say, I want to help this person the same way I would like someone to help me if the roles were reversed. To share truth with others that we're not living is hypocrisy. Jesus said that here. It's hypocrisy. To know truth that other people desperately need and to not share it for fear of what that may bring into your life, an accusation from them, that's cowardice. And don't tell me today that you're just doing Jesus' words of not judging by not speaking truth into the lives of people who need it. So we don't want to be hypocrites by sharing truth that we're not living, nor do we want to be cowardly people who are afraid to step into the lives of others who desperately need someone to help them. But when there is truth in our life that we've received and are experiencing and living, and when we seek to share that with others as Jesus would have us to do, there's a word for that too. It's called faithfulness. Living the Christ life. Sadly, today, one of the greatest insults one person can make to another is you're being judgmental. And that statement's often made because there are a lot of people today, we all have it in us to be judgmental. And for fear of that judgment, of being labeled as a judgmental person, so few people today are willing to exercise godly, as Jesus called it, righteous judgment. No, we're not trying to render, render a final verdict. Only God can do that in the life of anyone. But when we have judgment that comes from God and knowing His Word, we have the ability to not only see what needs to happen in our own lives and to make sure that we're living that truth, but we then have the ability to look to the lives of those around us and seek to be the blessing 
that God would have us to, to be. You see, we've, we've many times lost our ability, our ability to lovingly say, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. But if we hope to follow the golden rule, we are compelled by love to reach out to those around us. So how do we do this? Well, we've got to look in the mirror before we look at the moat. We've got to look in the mirror before we look in the moat. You, you want to avoid a conflict in your marriage next time a disagreement comes up? Go look in the mirror before you start talking about it. We've got to say, God, I want to be the vessel that you can use. I, I know, God, you'll use any kind of vessel. It can be gold, it can be silver, it can be wood, it can be earthen. But, God, I know you choose to work through clean vessels. And so, God, as I look into the mirror of your word, would you allow your word to do the cleansing that you told me it would do in this practical sense? God, I, I just want to stand here and I want to look in the mirror before I seek to look at the mode in the eye of another. And then lead with compassion instead of condemnation. The objective of this is not to come down on somebody in that negative way. But you care that they've got something that's affecting their vision. The whole goal is, is recovery and restoration, not retribution. And then we must learn to listen before we leap. How many headaches could be avoided in my life? If I wouldn't have spoken to a matter before I knew what the matter was. And then we must let the golden rule reign. We have to decide to let love call the shots in our lives. And friends, love has a name. His name is Jesus. And we do well to say, Lord, when it comes to the relationships I have in my life, I really don't know how to do it apart from you. I know love is of you, but I know you are love personified. So God, as I grow in my relationship with you, I pray that you would work in me in such a way that through me you can work. And God, I pray that I'd be the conduit of your love to those people in my life in such a way that would help them, would encourage that which is right, would lovingly address those areas that are in need of help and strengthening and encouragement. And Lord, may I also be open to receive from others who have insight into my life. Jesus said, judge not he said don't write anybody off don't don't bring that final verdict that someone is once and forever gone listen nobody's beyond the scope of god's love nobody's beyond the hope of god's help nobody's beyond the grip of god's grace we, we're not to write anybody off but we're to have judgment that can discern when there's a need and we're to lovingly and in the appropriate way enter in say i'm here because i want to help because I care. And friends, I can promise you, if we'll appropriate that mindset, you'll be shocked at how the relationships in our lives will improve, how God will give us wonderful opportunities to help people, to witness of His love, of His gospel, to help those that know Jesus to come along and to grow in their relationship with Him. And it all boils down to a matter of judgment. Our Father, we thank You today for the privilege of opening your word and reading and learning. God, I pray today that you'd let this message sink, sink deeply into our hearts. Lord, many people today have been unfairly categorized as, as being judgmental when, Lord, maybe they've just been sharing the truth and it wasn't appreciated. But, but God, I know that on the other hand, 
we all have it in us to look at others and to look down on others. And God, I pray that we would let you do what you do. You can be God, but I pray that we would be those hands and feet and the mouth that would share and touch and help and give that love to others. God, all of us in this room right now are dealing with conflict in one way or another. And Lord, we may be on the receiving end, but it very well may be that this would be a good time for us to to do what you told us to do in your passage, to talk to you about a relationship, about a conflict, about some hurt feelings, about the way something's going. Lord, maybe our prayer today is for a loved one who's wandering and, and we need to know from you how to, how to deal with that moat that's in their eye. So God, I pray today that we very humbly conclude this service, that we would honor you by spending this time in prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed today and our eyes are closed. I'll often conclude a message and say, you know, if this message was for you today, I'd like for you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask that this morning because I really believe if you're here today, this message was for you. There's no doubt about it. There's not one of us in this room who could say, you know those words that Jesus gave, those words that God the Son gave that He thought enough of to have recorded and preserved for us. They weren't for me at all. No, listen, this is for every single one of us. And I believe that all of us in this room, if we just say, God, where does this need to be applied first? Some today maybe need to remove a beam. Some today maybe need to be open to some help in an area of our life. Again, maybe it's that family member, that child, that loved one that's that's wandering and Maybe you've come at the issue in their life in a way that wasn't altogether helpful. Wouldn't it be great today to say, Lord, I heard you loud and clear.